Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, guys, I gotta know, would you rather hunt and butcher your own meat or never eat meat again? So like hunt and butcher, meaning that's the only way you could get meat? That's the only way you're gonna get meat is if you hunt it. You butcher it yourself, and then you cook it, and you eat it. Does going to Costco and getting a hot dog count as hunting? <laughs> Possibly, I, I depending on who you it. ask. I do have to select it on the touch screen. Depending on who you ask and which Costco you're going to. <laughs> Man, it is too much work. It's too much work. I'm not against hunting, and I love, I love meat, so... That doesn't counteract the fact that I'm thinking about if I if I really wanted a hamburger and I had to go slaughter a cow and process it and turn it into ground beef, just no. I'll just eat an apple. Um, yeah, there are other alternatives. I would choose vegetarian. You'd be over it by the time you get done with that whole process, wouldn't you? Yeah, I no, I just no, wouldn't want it. But uh, the meat alternatives that they have now are satisfying enough. And I know, I know that my father listens to this and he is, he is, he just had a heart attack, like listening to and this. And you being disowned. And I'm oh like, gosh, like, wait, I, I just got scared I, and thought like, you, you said he just had no, a heart attack. No, 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 Because no. he's eating too much meat. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was like, wait, why are we joking about that? So, so my father raised me to be a carnivore. And the fact that at various times in my life, I have had vegetarian seasons and even eat alternate meat, like non-meat meat, like Impossible Burgers, I'm pretty sure that he just he just passed out. So, uh, but I I think that would be enough for me uh, to not have to uh, you know butcher my own meat. Mm, yeah, I couldn't do it. I just can't. Just couldn't do it. I, it wouldn't be that important to me to have meat, so I would just not eat meat ever again. So, we're gonna find out uh, who the hunters are in our our church or in our uh, the people who listen. I know that they're going to identify themselves and and say no. This is why you should you should hunt your, for your own meat. And right now thinking about all of the work that it would take to process our own meat. Just a shout out to all of you who are workers at the Smithfield Processing Plant here in St. Charles. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I I enjoyed my pork roll on Easter Sunday, and I did not have to prepare that. I just put it in the oven. Yeah. It's nice when you don't have to do that, see? I had pork and pierogies. Oh, man. Oh, that's some good stuff on Mm. Easter. Mm-hmm. All right, Clayton, you have something to tell us about, something special. We have a Bible Savvy Workshop coming up on May 25th, and it is going to be on the book of Isaiah. That's the book we're actually talking about today. Uh, we have a, uh, a local expert on Isaiah, Dr. Andrew Abernathy, uh, who's at Wheaton College, and he has written the book, multiple books, about uh, Isaiah. We actually had him in to teach our staff a couple of years ago, uh, and he's really, really good on this. So uh, we're bringing him in on the 25th. Uh, you can already register for that online if you go to ccclife.org slash classes. And uh, we'd love to have you there because we're going to spend some time in Isaiah and getting a good orientation to it is well worth it. This is one of those books that not only are we going to be in a while, uh, it's also, it comes up in lots of places in the rest of the Bible. It's quoted a ton in the New Testament, really, really important stuff. If you want to learn an Old Testament book well, it's good to start with Isaiah. If there was ever a book of the Bible that you need a Bible-savvy workshop for, it's Isaiah. A close second would be Revelation. But Isaiah <laughs> and Revelation, when we do Bible savvy workshops on these books, you gotta you gotta come to this. Hey, is uh what's his name? Dr. Abernathy? That's right. That that just sounds fake. It does. But it's <laughs> Who's a presenting great name? Dr. Abernathy? <laughs> uh, sorry, Andrew, if you're listening to this. You're not fake. We know it. 
<laughs> okay. Um, I don't know it. I've never met him. As far as I know, you've made this I've whole made this thing guy up. up. It's me in a costume. <laughs> Because that would be your name. You'd want to be called Dr. Abernathy. guest professors at Bible Savvy Workshops are him in a costume. That's classic, man. Uh, What was I going to say? Now I lost it. Oh, is it being live streamed for those that may not live near our church? Or is this one just an in-person? Uh, we haven't decided yet at this point, so uh, I'll let you know. Okay, TBD. if you listen to, to the podcast, uh, we'll update it on the next episode when I have okay. that decided. If, if you are listening to the podcast and you are not within uh, geographical distance of our one of our campuses, stay tuned. We might provide it for you. There you go. All right, Clayton, what passage are we looking at today? We are in Isaiah chapter 5. Uh, we're going to be reading the first seven verses here. Let me give you a little context. Um, Isaiah is a prophet. Uh, we're in the kind of uh, you know prophetic books here. And sometimes when you hear the word prophet, what you imagine is someone who predicts the future. And occasionally, prophets do that. That is kind of in the mix of things. But the primary job of a prophet is to take what God has said, his uh, commands, his promises, the things that he has revealed, and apply them to the situation in the present that God's people are going through. So Isaiah is looking at uh, the people of Israel, and he is saying, God, what do you have to say about this? And he is being a spokesperson on behalf of God saying, here's his perspective on this. In light of the commands and the promises he's given, here is what he thinks about your current situation and where this will lead and what you should do. And so the the book of Isaiah is uh, him doing that uh, in Israel. Uh, In this chapter, he starts off with an extended metaphor about how God sees the nation of Israel. Uh, And we'll we'll dig into it, so I don't need to explain it too much. But uh, he kind of builds these details out for a few verses. Another analogy I heard about the the prophets that always stuck in my head is to think of the prophets as covenant enforcers. So God made a covenant with his people in agreement, and there were stipulations and consequences and rewards of the covenant. And so you think of the prophets as covenant enforcers telling the people of God, hey, this is the deal we made with God, and this is why you're experiencing what you're currently experiencing, because it's in the covenant. It's in the agreement we made with them. So whichever way thinking about that helps you. All right, here we go. Isaiah chapter 5, the first seven verses. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. All right, we are going to start with O, which is observation. This is when we take a look at what is in the passage and try to note as many details as possible. So what do you guys see? That sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week. This is the third episode in a row. I'm going to talk about the version Bible app because it's good. And you can read or listen to the Bible. 
And there are Bible project videos in the app about how to read the Bible well. And here's something to try. Use the audio feature. Listen to that day's Bible savvy reading and jot down your observations while you are listening. You might find that hearing the Bible is different than reading the Bible and you just might like it. It's worth a shot. So whether you're a Bible reader or a Bible listener or both, what we hope for you here at the podcast is that you are an understander, enjoyer, and applier of God's word. And this has been your comma tip of the week. That was great. That's I, I wanted to say understanderer, understanderer, <laughs> and applierer. I love that. All right. So what do you guys see? The first thing that stood out to me was um, the beginning of the chapter here. We we see like the loving and the, the, the care that God took with his people. And then it shifts to uh, discipline, you know, kind of like a a parent almost, you know, they're loving, they're caring for their child, they're doing everything they can to make sure that they flourish and they have exactly what they need. Uh, and then sometimes when the child does something wrong, they have to discipline them for their good. Yeah, if you don't start with the love first, the rest gets out of whack. You don't you don't understand the uh, place where it has to say, no, this is really serious. If you don't understand, this is someone who really, really loves uh, his kid or his people or however right, you want right. to say it. Uh, in verse four, when he asks the question, what more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? Uh, it it's making my mind go back to what I shared earlier about the prophets being covenant enforcers. It could be a way of God saying, like, I made a, we, I made a covenant with you. We made promises to each other. I've held up every single part of my agreement with you. What more could I have done? But I'm looking for good grapes. I'm looking for you to do your part, and it's not happening. It's interesting because I've heard people use that kind of an excuse in their own lives to say, this is, this is why I'm not pursuing God. This is why I'm not taking seriously these things I should be doing. Um, they'll look at their life and find some reason to say, well, God hasn't taken care of me. He hasn't done enough or, or so on. And there there is something important about that question to say, well, what what more could God have done for, for you or for us? Um, I, I look at this, and I, I'm just thinking about the image of the vineyard here, and uh, it's this kind of parable. It's interesting. Uh, we think of Jesus as telling parables, uh, but they're, they're parables drop throughout the, the rest of the Old Testament here. Uh, but I, it's almost worth kind of taking a, a, a mental tour of the whole thing, you know, to imagine like the, the hillside there and, you know, the care with which, uh, you know, this person has cleared the stones and made it really good. And to imagine the vines that are there and the, you know, the buildings that are put there. Um, there, there is a, I don't know if you've known someone who, well, actually I do know someone who loves the landscape. He's sitting right across from me at the, the, <laughs> I do. the podcast, but you, you know, someone who cares about the land that they're working and there's a certain like, um, love that goes into that and there's a certain kind of you see them kind of walking around looking at it or taking care of this or that this is this is what god is doing for his people and it's a it's a really really good and caring thing have you ever been tasked with clearing stones from a piece of ground it is painstaking work and just when you think you're done you realize you're not even close to done (laughs) when when i was when i was in high school uh, uh a woman hired me uh, her husband, I think was a pilot. He was always traveling and she was, she was busy working with her career, but they had this beautiful yard and it was on a hillside and they were continuing to develop it. And so there was this big patch of dirt that was just filled with stones. She said, I want to plant grass here, but I need all the stones gone. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, like, nah, no sweat. This will take me a day or two. Man, that took forever. And so as, you, as you're reading this, no, I stopped just to forget all the other things he listed about what he did to prepare the vineyard. Just clearing the stones is a ton of work. I think it's interesting that in verse 3 he says, Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. It's like he's he's like he's saying, go ahead. Like what what didn't I do? What didn't I do right? And 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 I just imagine being put in that position and being like, uh, yeah, I got like no you answer. can't say, yeah. you can't say anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love these rhetorical questions. You know, you remember the story um, in the life of David? He, you know, he's you know. Uh, had an affair he's murdered a man and so on and and uh, the prophet nathan comes to him and tells him this story he tells a story about a you know a guy who steals a lamb and whatever and he doesn't like nathan doesn't say this is a story about you he just tells the story and then it's like so what do you think about that and david is just like oh he's enraged what are we going to do about this guy it's so unjust and then he turns at it and says well that's you you're, you're that guy yeah. um that's kind of what he's doing here he's saying hey i had this i had this vineyard it was great and it there was no fruit, no good fruit in it. It was just bad fruit. What should I do? And, you know, Israel's supposed to, like, you know, be caught on that saying, well, I know the right thing to do is you got to dig it up and you got to replant it and you cannot you cannot keep it the way it is. But it's going to dawn on them, oh, that he's talking about us. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <clears throat> this might be a dangerous game, but let's play it anyway. And, oh, you know, <laughs> if, if it's a bad game, we'll just edit this whole section out of the podcast. Okay, so... God creates a vineyard and does everything right to establish the vineyard. Uh, but for some reason, the vineyard is not producing good fruit, right? But he's cleared the soil. He's planted everything right. He's watered it. He's taken care of it. He's protecting it. But for some mysterious reason, the vineyard is just not producing fruit. Well, what do you do? If you were, if you were the, the creator of the vineyard, what would you do? Well, I've never, I've never tended vines, so, so okay, no, okay, I don't know the answer to that. Let, but me, yes. let me put it in the suburbs of Chicago. <laughs> you planted a garden in your backyard, and you did all the right things. And this vineyard is in a section. This garden is in a section of your yard, but for some reason, good vegetables just won't grow. But you really want a good garden. What are you probably going to do next season? When you just like rip it out and start over again someplace else, like you, in a different patch of ground. Yeah, you might rip it you, out and start over. You either go to a new place or you you dig it up and you have to refertilize. You know, like you have to somehow change the soil. Oh yeah. So that it can grow, you, you're going to have to do something in addition to setting up the garden because whatever whatever soil's there, it's not growing the the, the food that you want. Okay, so this is the dangerous part of the game here. Now, as we talk about the nation of Israel. And the Church of Jesus Christ, and the whole conversation in New Testament about being like us grafted in to the vine, and like being become a part of this vineyard. Uh, to what extent, when you think about believers in Jesus and Jews and the people of Israel, like what what does this do to your whole brain? This is the dangerous part of yeah. this game. So there are, I mean, when you read Jesus, he's got parables that use this image. I mean, you, this is probably not the first time you've ever heard uh, God's people compared to a vine or with fruit or that sort of thing. So you've got Jesus saying things like, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Uh, you've got things like a tree, you know, a good tree has good fruit, a bad tree bears bad fruit. Or when he talks about 
the vineyard owner who goes the away owner and who comes goes away. back and he comes in, he has to get new, new people. And like, it's all throughout the new Testament and Jesus and the apostles using it. They're, they're not making it up. They know it's coming from Isaiah five and it's, it's an image of, of Israel. Um, so there is a certain level where Jesus is saying, what I'm seeing right now is a bad vineyard and it needs to be replanted in some way. Um, now, he also says, here's what happens. The branches of the, the, the bad vineyard get broken off. They get pruned. That's, you know, John 15. But then in, in Romans, Paul talks about this. He says, there's some branches that have been broken off. We're going to bring in Gentiles and they're going to start growing things. But he also says to the Gentiles, you can't presume that you're going to be just fine and that you can, you can go about this and act like you don't have to bear good fruit either because he can do the same thing to you, you know, and, and uh, do what he needs to do. So there's a, there's some things happening there with this image. So I don't know where, where else you're going with this, Eric. I wasn't really going anywhere. I just wanted to play the game <laughs> because there's so much vineyard imagery, parables, references in the New Testament that I thought it was a fun game to play. Yeah. And when, when you see vineyard, you should think this passage because it's it's where it's coming from and and it's kind of riffing off of that image of the people of god yeah whenever whenever you see vineyards in the new testament if you will just remind yourself that israel is the vineyard originally then it will help you understand a lot of what's going on oh once again uh another observation here with uh all of the prophets we keep bringing up this observation god does what he says he's going to do and he has a plan and he's executing the plan perfectly so when he starts talking about uh, destroying the vineyard. Here's what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I'm going to take away its hedge. It will be destroyed. I'll break down its wall. It will be trampled. Once again, he's talking about exile uh, and it happens. And and th- there's something about that image that's really close to the specifics of what happens. Because when uh, Babylon comes in, they tear down the wall. They, they trample over the city of Jerusalem and that sort of thing. So uh, there is something uh, vivid about that. Um, I My observation here is at the end of verse 7, uh, he gets very uh, literal. He says, mm-hmm. all right, when I'm talking about fruit, let me tell you what I'm talking about. Yeah. He says, I look for justice, but I saw bloodshed. I look for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. He's talking about the character of the people. He's saying, um, what what kind of behavior, what kind of heart did you have? What kind of life did you live? W- did you create a community of justice where people were taken care of, where people were treated well, where you enforced certain things? Did Were you people of righteousness? Did you actually have character that showed a heart that depended on me or were, were you all about yourself or something else and so that really is the fruit that we're talking about sometimes we can uh, think of fruit as sort of like the results or the circumstances or the successes or whatever and he's really talking about what kind of people what kind of community uh, were you all right let's talk about the first m in comma which is message when we say all right what have we seen and how can we sum it up in a principle in a sentence or two uh, my message is God's desire is for you to bear fruit and to flourish in righteousness. My message is you want the gardener to be gardening. Mm. Uh, and, and here's where I get that. In verse six, he says, I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated and briars and thorns will grow there. A garden left untended is a disaster. So I, you never want in your um, you want God actively involved in your life. The scariest possible thing that could happen is God takes His hands off and says, "Rock on with your bad self." Right? You want the gardener to be gardening. A garden left untended is a nightmare. My message is: the fruit of your life is the truth of your life. 
Uh, that when you when you actually look and say, all right, how do I behave? What do I do? What actually comes out of me? Um, that is the reality. I think uh, the people of Israel at this point could have said, hey, you know what? We've got God's promises. We belong to God. We, you know, we're kind of, you know, on the inside of this. Uh, but God says, no, you actually have to look at the fruit of your life. You actually have to say, what are you doing? How are you living? What does your community look like? And that's the truth about you. Um, and so that that's my my message. The fruit of your life is the truth of your life. All right, the other M in comma is meditation, and this is where we prayerfully ponder something that comes out of the passage. Uh, instead of focusing on one particular verse here, which is what we most often do, I'm going to pose a question that kind of comes out of the whole thing, okay? And I want you to spend 45 seconds, or maybe if you want to pause the podcast and, and, and pray about this for a little bit longer, but I want you to ask the question and ask God this question. If God looked at your life, what good fruit and what bad fruit would he find? Let's talk about the A in comma, which is application. What are we going to do in response to this? So in response to my message that God's desire is for us to bear fruit and to flourish in righteousness, um, my application was to do an assessment, like actually you know, ask yourself, like where in my life am I not flourishing in righteousness and why? And then once you figure it out, like you need to take some decisive action to turn that corner. Uh, my my application from my message, which is you want the gardener to be gardening, uh, is in the in the categories of like pruning, cultivating. It's what is what does God want to prune from my life? What is He trying to cultivate? And pruning and cultivating, there's an awful lot of snipping going on, right? And so uh, cultivating has to do with you know discouraging what you don't want so you're pulling weeds you're killing weeds you're you're encouraging what you do want you're fertilizing the right things you're applying water and so in this in this proactive posture that God has towards us of trying to produce a beautiful vineyard uh what is what is he pruning what is he cultivating is there something he wants out is there something he needs to is there something that may not necessarily be bad but part of cultivating and pruning sometimes is getting rid of something not because it's bad but because by getting rid of it something more beautiful is going to flourish um so it's it's thinking about all the pruning and cultivating that god might be doing in my life yeah my application is uh fairly similar to both of those especially nikki's here but the the asking that question you know wh- where's the good fruit where's the bad fruit um, there's a practice that uh, has been called examine. It's where at the end of a day, you look back and you just say, God, show me what happened in this past day from your perspective. Uh, show me where I was drawing near to you. Show me the places where I resisted you. Show me the places where I, I need to repent. And that's a good practice to have seasons where you say, you know what, at the end of each day, I'm going to look back and I'm going to be honest uh, and let God do some of that pruning. 
All right. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, check out BibleSavvy.com to download the plan and to start reading. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.